Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to fitness pros who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Austin Hirschberger from Hirschberger Health, Davis, California. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, Dom. I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Super pumped after our little uh, pre-interview segment here. So let's hop into it. Tell us what Hirschberger Health is all about, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Well, I started my personal training brand, Hirschberger Health, in 2017. I started personal training overall in 2015. Um, decided to shift over and start claiming everything I did under my own brand. Um, and since then, I've been able to move around a little bit. I've run this business out of Montana, Southern California, Oceanside, Carlsbad, and now in Davis, California. Um, I do a little bit to, I do two main um two main funnels for clients. The first one is youth uh, strength and conditioning. And then the second one is older adults who want to get a little bit more regular with their programs and maybe have some sort of contraindication from a previous injury or just a lack of knowledge about how to get regular in the gym. And so those are the two kind of main people that I take care of um, under Hirschberger Health. And so I do this in person and online. Right now I rent space out of a gym in Davis called Performance 22, uh, where I run some classes and then also rent space um, for my own personal training clients. And then online, I use the Trainerize uh, fitness app. And through there, I do subscription-based minimal equipment programs. And then I also do some more intensive one-on-one uh, -on -one training through the Trainerize app where clients can send me form videos and we can get a little bit more into the trenches with that. Um, so that's what I do mostly on the Hirschberger Health side. And then I have a sub-brand called Hirschberger Hoops. Um, I'm a basketball coach and a former college basketball player. So I naturally get a lot of people asking me for basketball training. Um, and so I've developed this sub-brand Hirschberger Hoops, which is all for specifically training basketball players and strength and conditioning. Got a lot going on and a, a lot of potential there, but let's turn back the clock a little bit. Uh, you were a college basketball player that turned into a love of training for yourself. And then that turns into training other people as far as strength and conditioning, skills, personal training, coaching. What was that transformation like as far as like, how did the mindset progress? At what point did you know, like, hey, this is this is what I'm going to do with my life? What did that part of the process look like for you? You know, that's a really good question. So I, I went into personal training um, because I hurt my back in college. So I ended up getting multiple bulging discs um, when I was playing division three basketball, we we're, you know, it's division three. So we had a basketball coach and we kind of had a strength coach, but <laughs> not really. And so um, I, I was doing a, a ton of weight on deadlifts, a ton of weight on overhead uh, movements. And I didn't have the requisite form to be able to do that stuff or the, the hip mobility necessary. So I ended up getting bulging discs and I, I decided to start learning about the human body and about how I could make my body move a little bit better. And that's what got me into personal training. And then my first job out of college was a personal training sales job um, for a, a brand called In Shape Health Clubs in California. And so that was my first job out of college. And it was, it was kind of tough moving into the sales aspect right away. Um, but it was very, very useful for what I do now. Got it. So you got the, you got the, you got the coaching bug. 
Yeah. You get the background, you get the education, you got some sales training. So this thing starts to look like a business. Um, I love that, you know, you were officially training, I think you said in 2015, pretty quickly in though, you're like, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make my own brand, going to make my own name, going to yeah. live and die by whatever I do out there. And, you know, I guess, depending on how you count it, either five to seven years later, here we are still, you know, making progress, working on things in, in the incarnation that you have now under Hirschberger Health. So super cool to have some background on it. Uh, so now we fast forward uh, back to today. You're in uh, in Davis, California, which is Northern California area. Um, what if, uh, what are the remnants? What does the COVID carryover look like for you? I mean, I, I'm hesitant to say we're anything close to out of the woods, but what's the state of your business right now as far as how it relates to COVID, restrictions, all of that? Uh, well, number one, it's made me really focus on the potential of online clients, um, building an online business. So uh, when I was down in San Diego, I was part of a gym, renting space at a gym that included the Trainerize app. And so I had access to the Trainerize app uh, pre-COVID, and I did not take advantage of it because I was you know, getting a lot of in-person clients and just enjoying that. And so once, once COVID hit, I was like, wow, I really need to take advantage of this. And so I started dedicating a lot of time. Um, to building out programs. So making sure that I was creating things that could become passive income on a subscription basis that would also help people um, in a real way. And so that has kind of become my main focus because that's what I, I know is going to be uh, reliable. You're not, you're not really sure if there's going to be another COVID strain that comes around that shuts down your gym for two months, three months. Um, but you know that people are going to be able to work out at home for sure. So Focusing a little bit more, putting my energy a little bit more into growing the online aspect of the business is probably the main way that I've been affected by, by COVID, I would say. Yeah, so the, the silver lining in the COVID cloud for a lot of the fitness industry has been this either hybrid approach or online training approach. And, you know, I, I we talked a little bit off the air, you know, for some people, it's really hard to get to let go of this in-person tactile cue watching every movement when it happens um, in moving over to a remote aspect so what did that mental shift look like for you and what are the big pros of online training in fulfillment um, look like as far and i say that because we know that it's online is scalable you can be anywhere you have this big open ocean from a business standpoint it looks great but fulfillment has to be different execution of the training. So how did you make that shift? And in what ways do you feel like you can do things better? For sure. Um, well, it's, it's been a, at, at the beginning, I'd be lying if there wasn't a struggle. Um, because at the beginning, it's such a transition. I love being around people and, and seeing them light up when they can, you know, make progress on something or when they get better at form. And I know that they're safe now because I see their back staying neutral on an RDL, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, I love it in person, but online, what I've been able to do is just create programs that are real to what I can offer and are real to what people can benefit from. And so that's kind of been the process of figuring out what kind of, of creation I can make that's gonna fit both of those. So how I've done that is I've got two separate models that I like to do. One is very little interaction between the client and me. So 
if someone doesn't want to pay a lot of money, but they also need a lot of direction, I've created a, an at-home minimal equipment program. And so you work out seven days a week for 20 to 30 minutes. It's something that I've created. I never have to change, but I'll change it every year as my philosophy changes um, and grows. So it's something that I've, I've created is out there on the internet that you can download and um, stay consistent with. But there's, uh, you know, monthly communication between us, but it's not like every day. Um, and then the other model is where you can send me form videos. Your, your program is completely uh, personalized for you. And I encourage you to send me as many form videos as possible throughout your workout so that I can check your form, make sure that I'm giving you the proper cues. If those cues don't work, we find the ones that do. So those are my two separate models. Um, on both of those, I have videos of me performing every single exercise. So making sure that you're not watching, you know, some jabroni that I don't know on YouTube who might have some good form and some not so good form on other things, uh, making sure that you're in good hands for everything. Awesome. Awesome. So on that aspect of the business, how are you getting interest? How are you gaining clients? Are you getting people to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm interested in what you have? Uh, most of it is word of mouth and then social media marketing for me. Uh, I would like to get an email list started soon. And so I'm collecting contacts for that. Um, but right now it's mostly social media marketing, posting the current business that I, that I have right now, the, the client successes that I have right now, um, all that kind of stuff. And then a lot of word of mouth, especially for in-person in-person is, you know, it's 95% word of mouth, especially mm -hmm. in a smaller community like Davis, it's a university town. So without the students, I think it's like 60,000 people here. So nothing, nothing really huge, but a really tight knit community. So once it's kind of been the avalanche effect. I've been here for like six months so far. And, you know, first it was like three clients and then all of a sudden it was just 20, <laughs> you know? So do you maintain, because the, because the social media facing could potentially look really different, do you maintain a separate page for Hirschberger Hoops and for Hirschberger Health for your, or, or are those both, do you weave those both into the same social media? I have them separate. So I have, I have three uh, Instagram accounts. I have one for my personal that I pretty much never post on because <laughs> I don't actually like using social media. And then I have one for Hirschberger Health, which I post everything that I do. And then Hirschberger Hoops, which are very, you know, the content's very oriented towards here's how you do ankle prep for, you know, before a basketball game. Here's what my basketball athletes are doing well in the gym, that kind of stuff. So definitely separate channels, separate marketing channels. Yeah. I think it's great for people to hear like, Hey, I don't personally like social media. I don't use it, oh. <laughs> but I recognize that it's 2022. Yeah. If I want to be in a fitness related business. People, first of all, they're just not going to believe that you're a real business. If you don't have social media, Absolutely. just immediately red flag scam. What is this? Who is this guy or girl or whatever? But then like your potential audience they're mostly there. You know, everybody is on some form, Instagram, Facebook, um, you know, I guess who knows the TikTok generation may age into being, I mean, there may be more of your basketball clients, more youth, For sure. uh, but you know, th those areas, somebody is going to be there wherever their eyeballs, you know, yep. they're a potential client. So yeah, you got to be there. That's the kind of like unfortunate reality of like you're saying 2022. It's like, if I don't post anything on my, on my personal brand right now, which I'm looking at it, I have no stories up right now. I'm going to do that right after this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if I don't post anything and then I go and I look at all the other stories of all the other personal trainers in town, those are the people whose businesses are alive today. Mine's not. 
you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something where if you're on Instagram and you're scrolling through, that's your reality. You know, whoever, whoever you see, that's your reality of who is getting training in town. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, when you say the adaptation to reels and stories and things, it's not just make a static post. It's, you know, people aren't even really scrolling as much as they're, you know, this, this may not age well, but here we are, you know, February to almost March of 2022 and like the Instagram feed and the Facebook feed are dying there. The eyeballs are starving there. And now it's all in the reels. It's in the stories. And yep. if you're not there, you, you're getting left behind or, you know, you've got a, a much smaller audience. So uh, again, kudos to you for being on top of this stuff and, and realizing where you need to be. Um, one more thing on the topic of social media, uh, and we'll see, you know, potentially they, this may splinter off. When you say social media marketing, are you strictly doing, uh, you know, post and interaction, or are you actually pumping any money into the Zuckerberg machine and paying for ads and sponsored things? What's your, your current mix, if any of those? I've probably paid for like three or four ads in the last five years. Uh, it's, that's not my main, that's not my main thing. It's just using keywords, key hashtags, um, trying to get in the mindset of exactly who my ideal client is, what they want to see, and then posting that. Um, and then, like you said, people want to see reels. So I've been posting a lot more reels. Even, I don't know what a reel is, but I'm doing it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and trying to include all of, this, all of the clients that I have throughout the day um, onto my stories just so people can see what's going on currently. So that's that's the main approach right now. Yeah, so for the sake of our terminology and our our listeners for, for keeping it congruent, you're basically hedging everything in the organic social media marketing side of things where you're taking advantage of people who are already following, I shouldn't say taking advantage of people, taking that's advantage of the fact that you have a following and leveraging that to start conversations to get engagement to get people to raise their hand and say hey that looks really cool am i a fit and start the conversation yeah completely organic yep awesome awesome so on the hoop side of things i think in 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 person in general you said most of that is even more strongly word of mouth in sports performance specific training skills things like that uh, it seems like the biggest needle mover in that world is get clients results, they talk, parents see one kid doing better than the other kids or one team crushing it, whatever it is. So that's super heavy on word of mouth by tangible results, things that people are gonna see at events. For the personal training side, how do you, how do you get people who are happy, satisfied customers getting results to then go out and proselytize, to be raving fans of yours and and generate more interest? Yeah, a lot of that is just honest communication with them. Um, like a lot of the people that I train end up becoming really good friends and they're life, you know, honestly lifelong friends. Um, and so with friends, you can have that kind of honest communication. Be like, hey, look, uh, I really appreciate your business. If you're able to, you know, communicate with someone else, um, that that helps me grow my business. Um, and just, just letting them know where I stand on that kind of stuff. I, I don't have any current referral programs in person. Um, but it's something that I've been looking at doing in terms of saying, okay, if you can go refer this, then I'll get you a gift card or, you know, a shirt, some sort of merch, something that doesn't take away from uh, my value of a, of a session, but still promotes uh, their action in 
and getting referrals. So I don't have anything necessarily set up for referrals, but it's, I mean, it's definitely communication that I have with, with uh, current clients. Got it. Got it. So I want to talk about business mix and where it stands now and, and where it may go in the future. And, you know, this is going to be one of those things that's always going to be dynamic. So, you know, if somebody hears this six months from now and says, well, you said this, it's, you have to do it. You have to spend the time in it. So, you know, give Austin a break here as, as he grows and helps more people. But do you have an idea in your head, you know, a perfect mix, you know, like I'd, I'd like to have 30 athletes that I coach in my roster at one point and, you know, 20 general personal training clients in in person and then 50 online clients. Is there, is there any magic mix or number as, as best as you can conjure it up in your head and project it that you think is going to be, you know, the, the magic potion? Uh, I don't think there's any kind of end point or necessarily a percentage, but there's definitely trends like a scale that I want to uh, lean more towards. So like I was saying, I want to transition more towards the online. So like a good number goal that I can set myself for this year is I want to have a hundred uh, online clients by the end of 2022. I don't think that's unreasonable, especially with my model of having um, a couple, you know, minimal equipment, small interaction programs. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal for me. So I don't have any necessarily uh, 20 clients here, 30 clients there. I do go through my schedule and I see what my potential hours are that I can fill. And then I do do some calculations out of that. So right now I could potentially have about 20 clients throughout the week in person, or at least 20 training hours dedicated for personal training and or uh, semi-private training. So I always keep a, a decent mind of that, um, but I also I also know where I want to uh, slide the scale a little bit, which is right now towards online. Okay, so as a matter of personal fulfillment, you know, the money, the imaginary money is no ab object world is the, the mix of in-person clients, a satisfaction of fulfillment aspect where no matter whether you have 10,000 online clients or a million, or, you know, you, you hit Powerball in the next week because you picked up a ticket off the sidewalk. Is it just the fulfillment of having the in-person interactions, having some athletes, having some, you, know, you said your personal training clients become friends of yours. Is that what it's going to look like is, you know, maybe online is the thing you can scale and pay the bills from and, and go to the moon with that. But in-person is what just keeps you with, kind of feet on the ground? 100%. Yeah. So let's say I hit the Powerball tomorrow and I can, you know, do whatever I want. I'm still going to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, and that would be, I would probably open up a small studio at that point and I would help uh, individual athletes or in small groups. And then I'd also help, you know, adults with former injuries uh, who want to get, who want to get regular. And I would continue to do exactly what I'm doing with my online program. Uh, so yeah, I'd, pretty much the exact same thing that I'm trying to do right now, just a little bit more scaled up, especially on the online aspect, because both are fulfilling. And I was kind of worried when I got into online training, I didn't know if it was going to be fulfilling. And at the beginning, it wasn't because I kind of sucked at it. <laughs> like I just wasn't good at, at that platform. And, you know, lost a couple of clients early on because I just wasn't delivering enough. And now it's gotten to the point where it's exactly what I want to do. I know it's going to get them results at a price point that matches what they desire. And it's, you know, it's, it's set up in a way that I'm proud of it. And I know that I can affect a lot more people by scaling it online. So 
the in-person really fills my bucket, fills my cup in terms of just social interaction and, and getting that human to human um, and benefiting another human in person. Like that's huge for me. But I recognize now that I, that I am uh, good at doing online training, that I can have a larger impact in terms of the total amount of humans that I can benefit. And you can't, you definitely can't put a dollar amount on that total amount of humans you can have an impact on as a, it should be, you know, if there was an, a, an intangible that we could make tangible in this business, I think that's, that's what makes most of us grind it out, go through the ups and downs, get out of bed every day. And it's like, you know, there's high fives and fist bumps and hugs and, and tears, whether they're virtual or in person. Those are, are the currency that I think the most successful trainers trade in. For some people, it can be strictly business and transactional, but boy, does that seem to be the minority for sure. Absolutely. So it sounds like it's, it's a matter of you have the dream in place, starting to live the dream, just need to scale it. Um, I want to I talk about challenges, um, past and future and see where those things have come up for you. I know COVID was, it was, it was a pain in the ass for everybody. It devastated some people. That's a big one. That's an easy target. You also said that, you know, getting ramped up with online training, getting good enough at it that you felt like, you know, you could fulfill the way you want with something. Any other big challenges that you've overcome on the way to getting where you are right now? Um, I had like, I had some mental health struggles with, uh, anxiety and depression, especially like a few years ago that, I mean, if you've dealt with that yourself or, you know, anyone who's dealt with like really serious anxiety, like crippling and really serious depression, like makes life pretty tough. And it's really hard to run a business because everything relies on you and your own ability to get out of bed and just grind. So that was something that I've been able to overcome that I'm super proud of and really happy to talk about because I know there's so many entrepreneurs and just anybody that's dealing with mental health problems um, to know that, you know, even if it sucks and it feels like you can't get out of it, like you can and just keep, keep focusing on the, you know, the methods that are getting you towards positivity in any moment and tap into that and it's and follow that momentum. So that's, that's like the biggest thing that I've personally had to overcome. And I kind of did that like right at the end or right at the beginning of COVID is when I started to get in a really good place mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And so since then, like it's been, it's been difficult to deal with COVID. Um, but during the same time, like I moved, I got married. Uh, Congratulations. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I got married in August. And uh, yeah, so there's been a lot of changes, but it, after overcoming like really serious anxiety and depression and you know it's still stuff that I have to you know deal with now to a certain uh, aspect in terms of following my own habits and whatnot um, but after getting through that like I'm cool I'm good with whatever I can I can take on anything yeah well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that and uh, I've done a fair bit of studying and researching reading and um, you know there's a, a guy named Alex Charfin he's written a book a small book cool little short one day read called the entrepreneurial personality type. Um, but the more I, I dug in down that path, I saw that a lot of the things that make somebody a successful entrepreneur or make somebody want to be an entrepreneur at all can also be, you know, those pathways that can, you know, anxiety, depression, 
issues like that. And, and it could be correlation. It could be an exact, you know, one, you know, uh, relationship. I don't think we'll ever understand the brain enough to know for sure, but certainly, you know, I, I think that it's great to have somebody come on and, and be able to share that because, uh, there's a loneliness, there's a, a solitude, there's a feeling of being on an island as a business owner as it is, especially a solo business owner. So that can compound and spiral pretty darn quickly. So uh, like you said, if you could get, you know, over the hump with that, you know, it's always something you have to be aware of. Yeah, COVID sucked. But for you, it's like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm still here, I can put one foot in front of the other. It, it makes the other challenges, I'm sure look a little less daunting. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So on the other side of that, what are you working on now? You're scaling the online business. There's, you know, uh, potential for you to, you know, move maybe someday into your own facility if that's in the cards. I know you have short-term, long-term plans, um, and I'd love for you to share those. And then potentially, um, doesn't have to be a problem or something negative, but anything you're trying to crack the code on, any skill sets you're trying to acquire, like what's going to move the needle the most for you to grow in the stages you set out for yourself? Mm, the main thing that I'm working on right now is creating online programs. Um, so like I said, that's kind of my main goal and it's just talk if I don't do anything about it. So the one thing that I'm doing right now is, is creating the programs because I know I can do that. I can write really good programs that for sure are gonna help people in a variety of, of different ways of delivering those, those programs. So I know I can do that right now, so that's what I'm doing. Um, so like I'm, I'm doing a postseason 12 week basketball strength conditioning program that I'm releasing in a week, uh, week and a half. So starting that marketing uh, tomorrow, which should be pretty fun. And so those are the kind of things that I'm, that I'm creating that I can take advantage of right now and then the, kind of the cracking the code would probably be online marketing. Um, maybe putting a little bit of money into it or at least getting better with like my SEO, um, that kind of stuff. And, and making sure that I can get more clients, not just out of word of mouth, but from other, other funnels as well. Got it. So a lot on the fulfillment side, it sounds like once somebody is in your world and engaged, um, you don't have a problem conversationally figuring out if you can help them, if those products that you've built are going to be a good fit. Like, obviously we've spent the last, you know, 45 minutes together. You don't have a problem talking about what you love to do and how you can fulfill it. So uh -huh. um, do you, do you feel like your conversations when it comes to transactions are a sale at that point? I know technically it's a sale. You have to ask somebody for money. There's a transaction necessary to help them. But do you feel like the way that you approach bringing people into your ecosphere is a sale? And if so, where are you as far as mentally how you treat that? Whether it's if I help people, they give me money or I need to, you know, X before Z. Is there, is there any kind of choreography in your head as far as uh, consummation of bringing someone on as a client? Um, I mean, in the technical sense, I definitely still see it as a sale, but emotionally, not, not nearly like I used to, like I used to have a little bit of imposter syndrome with my pricing and I'd be like, mm, like I can literally remember being in a consultation and, and getting to the close part, you know, and saying, and they're like, Oh, what's your pricing? And I freaking dropped the price by five bucks a session right there. And I was like, I had it written down. I was like, I will do this. 
And then they still didn't sign up probably because I wasn't a confident guy. Like they didn't think I would, you know, be a good trainer um, because I was, I didn't believe in it. And so now I don't know when it switched, maybe like three years ago where it's, I know exactly what I'm offering. I know that if I'm offering it to them, it's because they're going to benefit. And so I don't, I don't feel any certain type of way about it. Like that's it. Like I'm doing you a favor and we're doing each other favors essentially. Like this is just a win-win. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, in terms of like emotionally dealing with with transactions and and sales it's it's almost not even i don't even really talk about pricing usually it's just like okay we know what we're doing let's let's get it going yeah you you hit a couple of really big topics there and you know we we probably could go three hours and and take all of these but i want to want to nibble a little bit on a couple of these one is the feeling of imposter syndrome right it you know the most seasoned pros people have We've got a, a, you know, tried and true programs, amazing things from people who just really know that they'll, they'll, maybe they don't have the best program, but they've got a lot of other things. You know, they've got great accountability. Maybe they've got great nutrition or they're just, they're just somebody who's not going to give up on their client. They're all different variations of that, but it manifests itself often at that point of you have a great conversation with someone, you're dying to help them, you know that you can, and then it's just like, it's the freeze up point. It's just like, okay, so do you, do you, do you want to do something? Can we, yeah. what do we, it's just like that real awkwardness. It's like, yeah, it's like hey, can, can you close this for me? Yeah. <laughs> can you close yourself real quick? Yeah. It's like the, I, I, I liken it almost to, um, for, you know, the awkwardness of whether or not you go for like a kiss on the second or third or whatever date, wherever, yeah, yeah. wherever that is, it's like, are we there? I don't know. Can I do it? Yeah. And then, you know, the, once you have that, the confidence in what you're doing, um, I think the sale being a transference of belief or conviction is just like, man, this is freaking awesome. I know it's awesome. You know, it's awesome. You ready to start? Want to go yesterday? Like, when can we do this? And yeah. then like you say, then it's just a matter of, yeah, I do. How much does it cost? Yep. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a hundred bucks a session. Where do we go from here? Right. So I think, um, hitting that the way that imposter syndrome, lack of confidence can really manifest in a bunch of different ways. And then you flip the switch and you're like, you know, Hey, this is what it is. This is good. I'm confident in my prices. You know, I think all of us, uh, can agonize over prices. I don't think anybody's ever done a price change or a price setup in the fitness business that didn't take them at least a week and, you know, maybe a couple beers or a shot of whiskey or yeah. what, whatever else of just like, man, I want people to be able to afford this, but I also want to be able to pay my bills. Like we all know that if we come to it, it's probably still more fair for the client than it is for us. And it's just yeah. like, all right, I'm just going to drop it. We, you, know we're what, here. you know what, one of the things that, that helped me out with it is, I won't name the gym, but there's like a really, 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 really high-end gym. <laughs> and it uh, might start with an E and um, it, they charge a bunch of money. And I, when I moved down to San Diego a few years ago, I interviewed with them and I got through the whole interview process and I was ready to get hired. And I just, I, it didn't feel right. It's just a weird gym. It wasn't my, wasn't my vibe. And I said, oh, no, thanks, you know, and I looked at their pricing and then I looked at the, the people that I was interviewing with and I was like, these guys are charging a ton. Why shouldn't I? Like, I was literally just as good as them. I got hired on to be there. You know, I didn't see them with any more qualifications than I have. Like, why wouldn't I charge that? So I started to, you know. 
That's it. Right. If they yeah. can get it, I can get it. I, I have these conversations all the time and the, the best limiting belief breaker I've ever had for pricing. And it's more, I, I think it more applies in the pricing of group training than, than individuals. Like the, the average cigarette smoker in this country spends like $188 a month on cigarettes. And the majority of them are in the sub $30,000 house household income range. Mm. It's like, so the poorest people in this country can spend 200 bucks a month to kill themselves. And I get addictions are real, socioeconomics are real, but the money exists. And then it, it scales from there. It's like, you know, people will pay $30 a session to go do a really cool bicycle ride. Mm -hmm. So when people are charging $30 a session for somebody who's got, you know, a degree in exercise science to spend an hour with them and thoughtful programming and corrections, it's like, we we need to move the bar here somewhere and for sure for um, sure the, the conversations are always like oh you know i, I charge 60 dollars an hour for personal training oh, well how did you come up with that well i i got a bunch of prices and the cheapest anybody was was 65 so i went 60. It's, how about we just flip that over what were the most expensive people do you think they're better than you you know do do you know for a fact they're better than you might as well start there and and let the market tell you yeah. You can't go up, right? That, there's nowhere for you to go from there. That gets awkward. You know, if you if you feel like you're a $150 an hour trainer and tried and true, you do it for a while, you're like, ah, maybe 120 is better for the market. No one's going to argue with you. But it's uh, the, the price anxiety again, right? You try to raise your rates because you realize you messed up. And here we are again, not sleeping at night, thinking about can someone afford $6 more a month? It's, yeah. Just, just roll with it. And my, my, uh, what I recommend for anyone that's kind of dealing with that is two things. Just make sure what you're selling, you completely believe in, because if you don't believe that everything you're offering is worth everything that they're going to have to pay, you're not, you're not going to believe in the sell and they're not going to, they're not going to buy. So you have to be solid in your product, like 100%. And it has to match your price in your own head. Um, and that, that just goes by putting in a ton of work on the product. And then number two is just try to sell a bunch of people, like as many as possible. And so that's why that that initial job for me at InShape was not fun, <laughs> but it made me so much better at figuring out how I can actually help someone in that department. So, oh, you you can't train five times a week. You know, I only know a couple of people who could. So how about we do 30 minute sessions twice a week? Uh, you know, does that work? Okay, cool. And so just figuring out what works for people, getting comfortable with the first no and not taking it personally and being like, oh, okay, maybe this is like a financial thing. Maybe this is a scheduling thing for them. They're still here. They want to do it, um, but they didn't want the large package, you know? And so just figuring out ways to get, you know, through that first no, if it is something where they really do want to benefit from your training, you just have to figure out how. Absolutely. All right. So unfortunately we are running low on time here. So I'm going to hit you with a couple things real quick before we let you go. One, uh, you've been in the game, you know, since 2015, you've, you've owned a couple of incarnations of your business. You've moved, you're pivoting. Uh, if you could go back and at, at any point time machine, tell, you know, Austin of yesterday or five years ago or wherever, one thing, one piece of advice, one knowledge bomb of wisdom. Is there anything that you you just really wish above and beyond that you knew sooner? Um, yeah, I would probably start running online programs sooner. That would be like the number one thing because it's, it's almost like investing, you know, 
it's like, damn, why didn't I, why didn't I put that 5k in two years ago? That would be seven now. Like it's only five right now, you know? And that's, that's almost the exact same thing with online. It's why didn't I start creating these programs earlier? So dude, right after, right after this call, I'm creating programs, but that's, that's what I would, uh, that's what I would tell myself, you know, three, four, five years ago is get on this stuff. Cause you don't need it yet. And you will in the future. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Last thing, and this is going to be hopefully an easy one for you. No trick questions up my sleeve here. If anybody's listening to this, if they want to find you, if they want to follow you, your social media is websites, where can people uh, find you on the interwebs? Website is hirschbergerhealth.com. Instagram is Hirschberger Health or Hirschberger Hoops. Hirschberger spelled H-E-R-S-H-B-E-R-G-E-R. I spent a lot of my childhood writing that down. 11 letters takes forever. And then Twitter, I am Coach Austin SC, SC standing for strength conditioning. Coach Austin SC. Pretty popping on Twitter. So go ahead and check that out. Awesome. And if you if you missed Hirschberger spelled out a couple of times, it's in the show description. It's going to be in bold letters. So check out check out Austin. Follow him. Give him some likes. Give him some love. Austin, it's been a pleasure having you here today, sir. I appreciate you. This was fun, Don. Thanks for having me. Awesome. You're welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. If you found value and inspiration in this episode, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I am here with David from Classy Strength and Fitness in Queens, New York. What's up, David? How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All righty. Let's jump into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own facility? How did you get started? Um. I started working out at a personal training studio when I was about 16 years old. And I always saw myself owning one one day once I started um, working out and, um, and seeing the results. Uh, I was just thought it was um, just like a really big dream and I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it. But then when machines became less popular and people started using a barbell and they started opening things like CrossFit, et cetera, it started to make more sense to me. And then I started my career as a personal trainer at about, I would say, 20 years old. Uh, I started off at a front desk at a gym and wanting to be a personal trainer, but my manager didn't take me seriously. So what I did was I, I ended up getting a personal training job somewhere else uh, in Brooklyn, uh, working for about $8 an hour just to get the experience. So I'd be driving like two hours just to train one client and then two hours back in traffic because I just really wanted to be a trainer and I just really wanted the experience. So then after that, 
I got another job closer to home in Queens. And finally, I've, I circled back and I got a job at a New York sports club in Queens. And I ended up uh, doing so well there. They made me the, uh, the master trainer, which um, when I was younger working at the front desk, I used to look up to one of the trainers there. He was the master trainer. So it was kind of like um, something I always wanted to do. And my boss, he, he really took pride in who he hired and made sure he hired really good trainers. Then, um, so those places are revolving doors, usually the, the bigger gyms. Mm -hmm. So I would have like three different managers. So the next manager that came in, he kind of just started hiring anybody. So what happened was, um, you know, I was dating this girl, she was a trainer. And she, she says to me, she goes, David, you know, your, your gym pretty much just hires anybody. Cause I was at the gym and I saw this kid deadlifting with a rounded back. And I try to tell him, listen, you're going to hurt yourself. And he goes, Hey, um, I know what I'm doing. I'm a trainer at New York sports club. So after that, I was kind of started to, to not really, um, you know, value my job as much. Whereas before I was master trainer at a gym where they had really good trainers. And then next thing you know, all my coworkers, you know, were terrible. And then, so I was trying to become a fitness manager for a while and they, they, you know, they always lead you on. They tell you, you know, you do this, you do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I did all the things I was supposed to do and they just wouldn't promote me. So then finally, uh, I started taking people privately, um, for about a year or so just building up my private clientele. And I always in the back of my mind wanted to open a gym. Uh, so what I, I, I decided to just stay at that facility as long as possible, um, you know, build up my, my brand there. And then when I was ready to take the step, I found a place for really cheap rent and I, I took my clients with me to, it was about, I think like $1,200 a month, a super small place, but it was a storefront. So I got a lot of cars driving by and a lot of people saw mm -hmm. me. So uh, like I was telling you before, I, I tried to, get my my volume up initially the first year so i was giving a lot of people better prices than i should have so i was working crazy hours which i didn't mind because i wasn't married yet um it's pretty much all i did uh seven days a week 16 hour days uh maybe more um and i just killed it until eventually i was ready to expand because you know, you can't really, in a small place like that, I, I wasn't able to really hire anybody because there was just right. one spot rack, no room to move. So um, I remember I used to be next to a bakery and a jeweler. So every day, either the bakery or the jeweler would come in. So if you're starting off, by the way, just make sure you're not surrounded by by neighbors in, in a place where, you know, you're banging weights and you could disrupt their business because it's mm -hmm. not fun. So every day I would have either the baker or the jeweler come in and curse me out because, you know, the, the weights were banging. So mm -hmm. baker, I got it, but the jeweler moved in after me. So I told him, I was like, listen, man, this is the, the landlord should have told you you're moving next to Jim. I was here first, not for nothing, right. but, um, you know, I felt bad, but you know, he was a victim of circumstance. I didn't mean to, to ruin his life, but at the same time, I got to run a business. So, um, soon after I ended up getting robbed though, because, um, I was next to a jewelry store. So what they did was they broke into my facility. Um, 
you know, smashed a bunch of holes in the walls and uh, smashed through the bathroom and, and and decided to go into the jewelry shop through my store. So, um, oh, no. <laughs> so that's pretty horrible. But um, after that, me and the, the jeweler kind of got along better because he realized he was the reason I got robbed. But that was kind of the the turning point where where I decided, you know, I need to to leave this uh, facility and, and find not only a bigger one, but but you know, get away from the jeweler and the baker and find a place with no neighbors. Right. So I ended up moving across the street, and then unfortunately, again, I ended up uh, becoming neighbors with a an illegal massage place. Um, so it's pretty much like like prostitution in the guise of a massage, um, a Chinese uh, like massage place. So they would cook fish for breakfast in the morning. <laughs> so my first. That's my not first, a pleasant yeah, smell. Yeah, so my first year I would come in and it just smelled really bad. And then one of my clients ended up leaving. She, she started, she's like, I can't stand that smell anymore. Yeah. So, um, you know, one day I was teaching a class and I saw a minivan pull up and a bunch of people went in, into the massage place. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe they had like some kind of special or something. I didn't know why so many people were coming in, but... <laughs> Next thing you know, um, one of my clients says, David, why why did those people have guns? Uh, so I, I realized they were undercover cops. They ended up busting the massage place. So then I talked to my landlord. I ended up taking over the massage place, knocked the wall down and uh, doubling my facility. And then just recently, um, I, I just took over my other neighbor who was like, it was like a little preschool place. So uh, we expanded four times so far. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know where I was going with that. But. Wow. Yeah. Quite the ride to get there. So moral of the story, be careful who your neighbors are. <laughs> yeah, I would say, and if you could get a basement facility, you know, the storefront's important kind of, but with social media, it's not as important. If you could get a basement, a basement facility, it's probably cheaper and it's probably better. Cause I still do have neighbors. Uh, God bless them. They're actually moving out soon because the pandemic kind of ruined their business. Uh, super nice about it, but you you could tell they're they're not happy either. So, yeah. uh, basement is probably ideal. If you, or if you want to deal with your neighbors, then just keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So now, what does your business model look like currently? How are you structuring your offerings, your training? Uh, so we do one-on-one -on -one personal training, either hour or half hour. Um, the whole thing would be um, high ticket clients. Um, I was trying the whole class model before and I know it works for a lot of people, but what I found is most of the class people, they all want a discount. So, whereas if you were to just get, you know, three trainers under you and, and charge for one-on-one -on -one full price, you could potentially make a lot more money than you would with the classes. Mm -hmm. The other thing is the way my facility is, it's kind of small and, and I like it that way because in a post pandemic world, people are starting to appreciate uh, smaller, clean, easier to clean and less people in the facility at a time. Whereas before the pandemic, you know, people, people liked, you know, overcrowded gyms. Uh, the business model was look how many people I could get in my gym. I kind of try to do the opposite. I try to kind of show people, hey, listen, this facility is not only super clean, but it's also, you know, 
socially distanced. Um, and I don't let more than four trainers in my facility at a time now. So, uh, and I think it's important to not do what everyone else is doing because I, I know the other facilities in my neighborhood, they're all doing classes. They're all showing how crowded they are. And I think there's, there's a gym for everybody. So if you're doing what the other people aren't doing, uh, you're going to get clients that probably wouldn't go to those gyms. Uh, right. You know, I, I see a lot of people just copying what the next guy's doing and that doesn't make sense to me. I try to stay in my own bubble and just do my own thing. Cause, uh, there's a gym for everybody. And if you're just trying to copy the next guy, you're just going to be, you know, a generic version of that person. And, you know, you might potentially get some of their clients, but you know, there's value in, in staying true to yourself. And I was never good at the classes, to be honest. I, I tried the classes. I would have maybe like 10, 15 people max, but it was never super crowded with the classes. And then I, I tried hiring other people to do classes that had followings, but then it was kind of like um, a square peg in a wrong hole in a round hole, um, you know, where it, it was, it just, they did not have the same niche as me. Mm -hmm. It was like a lady that was doing like, like two and a half pound dumbbells, uh, five pound dumbbells, like this, this woman's class with uh, like super low weight, high reps and, First of all, it, it took up the whole place. So it was hard for my trainers to train our clients during that time. Second of all, you know, the people weren't paying a lot of money. And and third of all, it just didn't go with my brand and, and my niche. So she was right. a great lady, decent trainer. But um, I think if you know what your vision is, you know, you got to stay true to your vision and just hire people that are doing similar things not that there everything works there's no right or wrong way to train people but if you know your style of training i would say don't don't sell out and have someone that does something completely different in your facility because it's just not going to work out those clients that do the classes are not going to do one-on-one -on -one sessions with your trainers because it's mm -hmm. a, a totally different training model right yeah it's important to really identify your niche market who you want in the facility and stick with it. And that's how you differentiate yourself from the other facilities within the area and, and not being afraid to do that. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a volume game. If you want to do higher ticket programming and have less clients, you can do that. There are people that are interested in doing that. So not being afraid to really target specific people that you want in your facility and, you know, leave the others out. There are other facilities for them. You know, that's why there are different types of gyms that offer different services at different price points. Yeah, but if sure. you don't want to have to compete with somebody and lower your prices, it kind of gets into a, a situation where it's like a race to the bottom, a race yeah. to zero, because everybody wants to charge the lowest rate, but provide the highest level of service. And those things just don't work together. I also think I, I kind of like the fact that I charge more than the place down the street because it just makes, if you're looking at two places for me, when I was little, if I saw two pairs of sneakers, I would usually buy the more expensive pair and mm -hmm. it's stupid, but like it, it just brings value. The price brings more value to it. And yes. you, you realize that the people that want to pay less, those are the people that always cancel. Those are the people yes. that don't end up being good clients because they don't, they don't see the value in your service. So, right. Yeah, exactly. It comes down to perceived value. You know, it's like, I always, I like to use the example of women who buy designer bags. 
You know, it's like they can probably get a bag just like that at, you know, an, another location for a, a different price point, but they buy that designer bag that costs $1,400 for a reason um, because it's tied to a higher value. You know, people value that more than a bag that maybe doesn't cost as much. But in, in the case of, of training, it's like those people that are willing to spend that amount of money on training value the training more than those who aren't willing to spend that much on training. And therefore they're better clients. They get better results. Typically they're with you longer because they get better results and you're able to provide them a higher level of service because you're not spreading yourself super thin across 400 clients. You have hundred, 150 really good clients that are with you for a long time. Uh, so it, it, it is a really great business model. And I think that a lot of people are just kind of afraid to go that route. Well, especially now because, you know, people don't, don't want to be in a crowded gym. So right. mm-hmm. you're able to charge, you know, enough money to, to make a decent living and then also paying your trainers, right? If you're charging, you know, next to nothing for a session, how are you going to pay a trainer the rate they deserve? And then you're not going to get the best trainers, you know? So right. that's another thing. Um, yes, absolutely. They, it all goes hand in hand. So now... As far as the marketing piece goes and acquiring new clients, how do you go about doing that? Uh, How are you getting the word out there about your facility? So a lot of it's word of mouth. A lot of it's Instagram. One of my clients a long time ago when I first opened, she goes, you know, David's a great trainer, but he doesn't know what he's doing marketing wise. Uh, He should be going to high schools, handing out flyers, going to meet people and, and do this and that. I see him. He's doing a lot of social media and Facebook and Instagram. Instagram and you know he doesn't know what he's doing and then here we are five years later you know I I definitely it definitely worked out for me so don't listen to what other people are telling you um be confident in in what you're doing but the the, probably the one of the best and worst things that happened to my business was when we were closed we were not allowed to use the inside of the facility so um initially all my trainers quit I was training everyone in a park Mm -hmm. then then they gave us the green flag to train people outside of the gym, like in the driveway, right? So I I hired some trainers. We started working in the driveway, training the clients. But, you know, if you're driving by a place and you see a bunch of people working out outside, it got a lot more eyes on my gym. And, you know, a lot of the gyms were closed because they didn't have an outdoor section. Right. So we got like a, a crappy squat rack we put in the front and took all the equipment in and out every day. And we just got a lot of clients from that because a lot of people were desperate to work out. And, you know, you're just driving by and you see all these people working out in the driveway. So that like really built, built my business and built my clients. And then yeah, uh, when you're starting off, you know, it, it's easy to do a good job with all your people because you don't have a lot of people. Um, so you kind of got to try to keep that same energy and and do the best job you can even when you're training a lot of people and that's why i would say not to undercut your prices because you don't want to be in a position where you're training like 250 people in a month 250 Mm -hmm. sessions in a month and then you know your quality of work um goes down so it's important to hire people and be able to pay them what they deserve and you know initially you know when you're starting to build up maybe give better rates but once you're established you need to stay true to your prices because if 
if you're if you're in a business that relies on word of mouth and if you don't do a great job with every single client every single time you're only as good as your last session then you're mm -hmm. not gonna be where you want to be right yeah absolutely so now what does the next level look like for you so you've basically expanded about four times at this point or moved locations quite a bit so what does the next level look for you? Are you look like for you rather? Are you satisfied where you are? Are you looking to grow again? Are you looking to expand I'm again? To 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 get my numbers up a little bit more as maybe um like as far as, as sessions per month, probably try to get the gym to another sixty hours a month, which I think is doable in the next few months. That's mm -hmm. my first step. Um and then you know, a second location would be nice, but I, I think either, you know, just just growing a little bit, getting getting more sessions per month and staying where I am or a second location. But I kind of like the size I'm at now because it's easier to clean and maintain. Mm -hmm. So uh, we don't do classes, so it kind of just works for our facility. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the plan to get an additional 60 hours of training per week? So I, I'm building up another trainer that's under me two of my trainers are pretty busy um my, th my last trainer i just hired he could he could do a little bit um better session wise so i've been kind mm -hmm. of mentoring him helping him a little bit changing his training style because like i was saying before every everything works but his wasn't really fitting with the brand as much as my other trainers mm -hmm. so I think it's important to have systems and expectations of your trainers, unless you want to have a bunch of trainers doing different stuff. But I think if you're trying to build a business where if you want another one later on, you can't really scale it if all your trainers are doing different stuff. So as I'm right. not micromanaging and telling them they have to do this, this, and that, I give them like a basic outline of how to train people and, um, and just kind of mold them to be similar. So okay. uh, this kid, I've been talking to him. He's he's kind of been been doing what I've been telling him to do, and and he's kind of um, becoming more of a trainer that's suited for our facility. So now what we're doing is we're um, you know giving him more leads, and he's probably going to get get the majority of of the leads coming up because my other trainers are doing pretty well. And I think once he gets super busy, then then I'll, I'll probably be where I want to be. Um, Unless, you know, I want more, then I'll probably hire another trainer eventually. But I think I'm in a good spot right now. Okay. So now. Uh, every time you, you go to where you want to be, you all of a sudden you want more. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's always more. It's that uh, entrepreneurial mindset. You know, it's like. Yeah. It's, it's a constant. Um, feeling of being unsatisfied it's like okay you reach a level that you thought you might be satisfied at and then it's like okay now what can I do where can I take this how can I grow um yeah, so you know it's it's a constant constant thing not a bad thing um but typically with like a challenge so uh now if there was something in your business that you could improve what would that be if anything, I know there's always something that kind of keeps us up at night. So, uh, what, what is that for you? I've been actively just trying to work on who I hire and getting rid of people when the time is right. Uh, mm -hmm. which I, I think I've actually grown as a person and the pandemic actually helped me out because it, it weeded out a lot of people that, that were terrible, but 
So what happens is if, if you have a trainer that's in, entitled or, you know, doesn't want to take on clients or just doesn't fit with your business model, maybe is training your clients too hard, making them throw up, stuff like that. You know, you can try to work with them initially, right? Mm-hmm. And do the best you can. But if, if they're, they're not improving in any way whatsoever, you need to get rid of that person because, um, you know, it's going to affect your livelihood. It's going to affect your money. And, you know, I, I put up with some people that, that didn't want to work and just didn't have the same uh, mentality as I did. And it just, I had a lot of bad months after that. So right. I think the most important thing is, is building a team and not being afraid to get rid of people when the time is right. Um, it's hard when you're a good person, you know, and you're empathetic towards others, but you know, it, at the end of the day, it's your business and they're not going to pay your bills. So you need to get rid of those people. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the culture piece is a, a huge part of that as well, because if, it only yeah. takes one bad apple to spoil a bunch, right? So if there's some yeah. sort of negativity there with a trainer that you have on staff, it, it trickles down or kind of, you know, can get into the other staff members. And then before you know it, it becomes a really negative thing in a, a negative environment. And like you said, you had some, some bad months after that. So yeah. it's important to stay on top of that and hire fast and fire fast. Yeah. Somebody's not a good fit, just, you know, get them out and move on because like you said, at the end of the day, it's your business, it's your livelihood and it affects the bottom line. Yeah, you get what you put up with. If somebody sees you putting up with somebody that's, you know, not wanting to work hard, they're going to stop working hard too, because they kind of, the, the weakest link usually sets the standard and it's unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as far as your retention rate goes, retention is a big thing for a lot of people. Uh, how is your retention rate and how long do clients typically stick with you? So, like I said, I, I've been, I, I kind of didn't start at New York sports club, but that's kind of where all my clients are now. Cause the other gyms I worked at, I, I got rid of those clients. I, I moved on to New York sports club. I've been training a lot of those people for it's probably like 10 or 12 years. It was a long time. Wow. Mm -hmm. So we have pretty good retention where we are. Um, and I would just say it's because I care about all of my clients and I want mm -hmm. them to do well. And the clients that you don't like, they, you can pretend all day. Eventually they're going to just, they'll, they'll be able to, they're not going to last. So Right. It's important to generally care about, genuinely care about all your clients. And if you do have staff and you have a client that, you know, you might not, I would call like an energy drainer, somebody that just makes you physically exhausted after you train them. Mm -hmm. If you could give them to another trainer, um, that's a better fit for them. Cause you know, you want to, what's best for the client as well. Um, that would probably be, it, it's going to make, your session with your other clients a lot better and, and just keep your, your retention up because if you don't like a client, they're probably not going to like you at the end of the day either. So if you can move yeah. them and then, you know, sometimes you have to just uh, fire clients. I think I only fired one client so far um, just because, you know, she wanted like a peak time that everybody wanted and would always cancel and then would get upset about the cancel charge and, and just, uh, so I wouldn't say like go around firing a bunch of clients, but once you have a team, um, 
probably if you have a client that you don't like set them up with a trainer that's a better fit for them because right uh, so yeah you, you want to generally care about all, all of your clients that's how yeah, you get of course. the best attention right yeah you want to set set people up for success so yeah. if if that means it's with somebody else then so be it so now uh one thing that I love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering opening their own facility, what would that be? What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? So if you're in this business to make a lot of money, you're probably in the wrong business. But if you're in this business because you love it and you generally love it, you could potentially make not a lot of money, but a decent amount of money. But if you're only in it for financial gain and not because you love it, you're not going to be in this business for a long time because um, when you open a business, it's there's a lot of headaches and putting out fires every day. A lot of bad stuff happens. And if you don't absolutely love what you're doing, then you're probably not going to last. Um, and your first five years, you're probably going to be working 16 hour days probably six to seven days a week, uh, you're going to have to, it's, you're going to work more than anybody in this, in this business, I would say, until you, you hire the right people to, um, to take over some of the work. But when you're starting off initially, the first five years, you're going to, you're going to be putting the hours in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a lot of work at first until you get the right systems in place and hire the right people uh, and put them in the right places for, success. Uh, and that's the important piece as far as making a lot of money in the industry goes. It's yeah. possible. You definitely can do it. You just have to make sure you've got the right systems in place for lead generation, for sales, for fulfillment, for retention, uh, all of those things for ascension, you know, taking advantage of the clients that you already have within the facility and offering them another level of service. That's something that a lot of people overlook very often. Um, but making sure that you have the right systems in place along the way to be able to grow and scale. Uh, but yeah, it is a lot of work initially to get those systems into place. And hire people. If I, if I could hire people sooner, if I could go back in time and hire some people sooner, I probably would have done that. Cause yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big piece as well, because sometimes as the gym owner, it's like you want to have control over every aspect of the business and do everything and handle everything. But you know, you're only one person and you only have so many hours within the day. So if you can bring somebody on that can help you out and uh, allow you to delegate some of those tasks, that can be a, a game changer as far as growth goes as well. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Awesome. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? So you can find me on Instagram at David underscore Plassey. And then you could, uh, P, that's P-L-A-S-S-E. And you can find my gyms page at um, Plassey Strength and Fitness. All righty. Perfect. So David from Plassey Strength and Fitness in Queens, New York. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's Thank been you. great having you on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And to all of the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. 
The Gym Lords Podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. David Van Horick of Real Fit, coming to you from Tucson, Arizona. David, what's going on, my man? How are you today? Not much, man. Just enjoying the nice weather. It's you know wintertime everywhere else. But it's like <laughs> 70 degrees for us. Stays a little rainy, but it's, it's still nice. <laughs> it's about 20 degrees where I am. And yeah, so exactly. Don't want to dive too deep in the weather. You're going to make me <laughs> jealous. Uh, David, yeah, obviously we're here to talk about real fit. This is your training business, mostly in the one-on-one space, but give us an idea of what made you want to get into this business industry in the first place? How did you, what, how did, what sparked in your brain? Hey, I really want to open a gym and I'm going to make this happen. Well, you know, it's kind of a crazy story, but uh, I was ultimately going to school to be an accountant originally. Um, Just, you know, was going to school, wanted to get certified as a trainer, more just for my own knowledge to be able to like program myself for powerlifting competitions and stuff. Um, I did a strongman event when I was like 16 years old. So I just kind of wanted to get more hands-on knowledge and, you know, kind of see the scientific route of it on that aspect. Um, I was probably certified for like five or six years before I even trained anybody, to be honest with you. Um, It was crazy, but I ended up working nights at a grocery store just so I could start picking up clients and working random shifts at gyms to try to get my clientele picked up when I first started. Um, It took a little while, took a couple of years, but I started doing boot camps, started doing outside stuff, essentially left the gym to go to kind of more of a personalized or one-on-one gym. Um, And basically I was the flip side of what I do now. So I was paying him $400 a month to be able to rent the space back from him, to be able to start my own business, start getting my own clientele in there, just hustled for as hard and as long as I could until I could finally afford enough to be able to buy all my own equipment and get on my own lease and branch off and do my own thing. And then I just flipped the script and basically took over the whole gym and started renting it back to other trainers. So they had a you know facility or place to come and train their clients that was inexpensive and let them be able to be more profitable. Because if you're training like at LA Fitness or anytime fitness, you're getting like, you know, 20 bucks an hour or something and they're, you know, collecting 40, which seems crazy because they're not doing any of the work, you know? Yeah. And and typically the one-on-one space, this this sort of business model, that is the the natural progression, right? You build up your clientele. There's no more hours in your day. There's no real real autonomy when it comes to raising prices or how you run your business in the first place. And so the natural progression is, okay, I'm going to open up my own space. I'm going to do this on my own, in my own way. And so here you are now, right? Four years later, how have things been for you? 
Uh, it's, I mean, it's been good. It was really good at first, and then COVID kicked off, and obviously there was a little slump there. A lot of my clients switched to doing telefits or online training, basically. So, you know, we would Skype in or Zoom in, um, and I would just watch them and break down their form and stuff like that. Um, but all over the internet, most of my clients are back now. I still have a handful that still do the telefits because they're, you know, COVID conscious, basically. Um, but otherwise, it's been good, man. It, you know, again, it, I built up my, most of my clientele before I branched off on my own. So this way, I, you know, at least felt independently, financially responsible and could make stuff happen that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I still have lead generating sources. I mean, and over the years, I just slowly kept raising my prices and people either left and I got new people in that were willing to pay. And then, you know, it's slowly advanced that way. Because like you mentioned, there's, there's only so many hours in the day and there's only so many hours I can physically be there and, you know, give my energy to people. Right. I think we'll certainly dive in on the marketing side of things and, and explore the lead gen that you talked about. But I want to take a pit stop and, and break down the pricing that you mentioned. You increased pricing along the way. Now that you run your own facility, you have free reign to charge whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one-on-one -on -one PT is such an interesting thought experiment on the pricing side of things because it can go from 10 or 20 bucks an hour up to hundreds of dollars an hour. Yeah. How did sure. you guys come to the pricing that you have? So, I mean, part of it obviously is location, like New York and California, you can kind of get away with, you know, charging people a little bit more just because of the, just the finances, right. Depending on which city you live in and, you know, who the clientele, what part of town you live in, things like that. Um, yeah. When I first started, I mean, I would take people for $20 an hour just to try to get full, try to get my books full try to get people in there, start using them as, you know, for Instagram and marketing reasons, taking pictures and photos of them working out and then just build up. And then I could charge a little bit more and a little bit more. Um, ultimately, now we charge basically a dollar a minute so for us for tucson that's kind of the average um we're a smaller town in arizona not you know phoenix you can get away with charging a little bit more so for the most part we charge 30 dollars for 30 minutes at 10 sessions at a time and 60 dollars for 60 minutes at 10 sessions at a time yep and you said that you raised prices to get to that point what did you start at I started at like $20 an hour, just trying to get yeah. people in the door. Yeah. I mean, just whatever it took to get eight, 10 hours of work, basically every day, sure. more or less, you know? Sure. And then as, you know, as soon as new people would come in, we would just, you know, say, okay, now it's 25, now it's 30 before you know it, it was 40, 50, 60. Yeah. And, and you certainly have hit a couple of different evolutions along the way. Yeah. And, oh, for sure. And now that you have more people, you have the luxury of being a little bit more selective and, charging a, a more competitive rate yeah bring us up to speed on you mentioned we have some lead generation services working for you what does that look like for you how are you finding these new clients to add to the business yeah so i mean of course you know using your like general social media facebook instagram stuff like that right making posts of your clients especially if they're doing like bodybuilding shows you know bikini shows uh jujitsu tournaments you know football competitions whatever it is trying to use when they win or when they do well, the reflect back onto your training, right? So that's always a good way to do it and keep it, you know, that's low. There's no cost for that basically, right? I mean, you could pay for ads using it, but at least to kind of keep the social media, make it look like you're helping people really achieve their goals and, you know, advance themselves. And then otherwise, you know, Groupon, uh, Thumbtack, uh, I mean, there's, I don't even know, man, there's been so many along the ways. Um, yeah, Yelp for a while, right? I feel like Yelp just charged me a buttload of money and never really helped out too much. 
there are certainly more than enough ways and more than enough services that you can spend money on. What's yeah, been exactly. what's been the most fruitful for you? What's the best ROI that um, you've gotten? I would say Thumbtack and uh, Groupon, man. Honestly, Groupon has been like uh, well, probably one of the best ones. I mean, it's, I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of like a drug dealer. You give people a couple of free sessions or a couple of discounted sessions. You know, you do good service. You you know, practice, you know, healthy environment for the clients and give back to the clients and they're willing to pay anything for that, basically. Yeah, you get them hooked. <laughs> you get them hooked, man. That's it. Exactly. You get them hooked. Got it. Okay. So you've had a number of different ways that you've gotten people in, at least in the doors, right? Just because yeah, they show yeah. up doesn't mean that they're going to convert to a client. And so walk yeah. us through your typical sales process, right? You mentioned giving them a free workout or a session or two, what is, say we get a lead in from somewhere, right? Thumbtack, yep. whatever it yep. is. What happens next? What happens between that lead coming in versus them converting to being a paid client? Yeah, cool. So normally they, you know, the first time we meet, you know, Hey, my name's David. This is the facility. I just give them a quick walk around. You know, we have all the right stuff, all the things from like two pound dumbbells to hundred pound dumbbells, squat racks, you know, bench, all the Olympic lifts, uh, strongman stuff. So we have like the tires outside battle ropes, all the fun stuff you see on Instagram and just kind of pitch it that way. So they can see that we have all the right tools, all the right equipment. So there's no reason for them to go anywhere else to do anything else. You know, they're more than welcome, especially doing one-on-ones. They can come in beforehand, do cardio before their session or after their session. So this way they can use the cardio equipment because they're not pay me to watch them run miles on the treadmill that's boring for them and or boring for me and inefficient for them right Correct. so i mean they, they can do that on their own time basically right when they come in we're getting we're getting to work basically so normally the, the first session i just start off really easy kind of more like physical therapy just kind of see where their balance is really try to make them kind of feel out of sorts so they can see like okay i do need this I, my balance is terrible I can't get up off the chair without using my hands. Right. right. Um, and then at the end of the session, I always weigh them out and have them use like a body fat scanner or something. So again, they can see the real detailed results. Right. I'm like, you're 45% body fat. That, that should be enough for you to come in here and want to work out to change that, you know, habit, especially if people are like on diabetic medication that they can easily get off. Right. I mean, it's like, you just got to work out, eat right. We can get you off this $500 a month medication just, just by doing the healthy things. Yeah. And so really just kind of painting the picture of this is what's possible for you. Yeah. Talking yep. to them about their goals and, and sort of filling in. Here's how we can bridge that gap, right? Yep. Here's how this is actually going to help you. And then you sell them into packages you sell them into monthly recurring what does that look like yeah so normally i send uh you know try to sell them into basically 10 or 20 sessions at a time um i pretty much just do 10 at a time now just to try to keep the price value up a little bit um so it, it makes it easy and then you know they decide not to continue they're only out 10 sessions right and most people i mean they i've had a lot of clients like nine or 10 years now at this point, they've been sticking with me for the longest time, you know, because they see the value in my training. They see the value. Most of the time people aren't going to go work out by themselves. Right. So even just to have that dedication, that specific time this way, they know they have to go the accountability aspect of it. Yeah. And, and PT has, has really stuck with that tried and true packages sort of model. Have you considered switching to a, a monthly recurring? Has that been a thought for you at all? 
Um, I mean, I, I, if I had more space and I was doing more boot camps or more like group sessions, then definitely. And that is the long-term goal in the next year, um, to have kind of more like a CrossFit style aspect, but like having strongman, you know, time, having powerlifting time. So this way all the powerlifters can come in for two hour blocks and, you know, be running programs going into the next competition, have strongman coming in for two hour blocks going into the next competition, and then just charging them a, a lower, you know, monthly rate this way. But, um, you know, this way they can come in and get their sports-specific training in a group environment where everyone's there for the exact same goals, the exact same reason. They're all going to the same meet, you know, the same competitions. Um, and they really help them that way, but still be able to keep it, you know, financially less for them. So they're not paying, you know, six, $700 a month for one-on-one training. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's definitely a market for it. Yeah. For you with the business sort of maturing and, and waiting, you said, till we get a bigger lease and, and more space, what can you do in the meantime to grow the business? What are your thoughts and ideas? What is, what is the future hold until you get that lease? Yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. That, that's definitely uh, the hard part. I'm so maxed out right now, like having basically about 50 clients uh, on my own schedule. I, I just don't have time for any, any extra basically. Um, and I do help online people and have online clients as well and have to look at their videos and help with their form and technique and stuff like that. So that is the, the hard part at the moment. Uh, I hate to say I'm not looking to grow because I'm just so full and just so stacked as it is. It's, it's so tough at the moment. The dogs are in the park right now. Um, but long term, you know, we're just trying to stay as full as I can, keep upping my rates as uh, people come in and out, um, and just slowly but surely keep going in the right direction. And getting in the years, I, I think when I'll be able to really start getting more group sessions, get different things pulled together, and try to get more strongman events and powerlifting competitions and stuff like that going. Yeah. Well, what about the the online side of it? Is that more scalable do you see you expand do you see yourself expanding into that in the future uh yeah i mean honestly especially with covid i was never really online or did too much stuff then but with covid it definitely advanced uh both my vision and you know the opportunity to be able to train people worldwide even right um it's crazy how many people will just see a video and dm me like hey can you help me with programming and i'm like i can send you a program dude but you know if your squats look like shit i, I can't help <laughs> fix yeah, that exactly. right like with the program yeah. basically yeah so i mean you know it's it's more about the coaching and breaking things down and being able to you know really visually see the difference so especially with the online clients being you know having them record their sessions or having some live feedback like that really makes a difference because then you can see the progression overall when you're doing live clients, you know, even after a couple of years, you know, they, they feel the same. They don't see themselves changing or they never see the breakdown of anything. Right. Even if you're, you know, tracking everything, they see that they're getting stronger. Right. You know, you, you give an 80 year old lady who used to do like 10 pound rows and now she's doing 30 pound rows, but you know, she's like, Oh, I feel stronger, but I still, you know, appear the same or I still physically feel the same or at least on the online clients they can visually go back and look at those recordings and say oh look I deadlifted 315 now I'm deadlifting 365 for reps wow that's amazing yeah and with your schedule as jam-packed as it is has there been any thought in your mind scaling through adding other people through hiring potentially helping you um, save you some of this time yeah exactly so I think long term that would be the goal um, you know, I've kind of gone down that aspect a little bit before COVID started. And I, I hate to say, it, but I feel like the, the other trainers just, they didn't have the passion. They didn't have the, you know, like 
aspiration to do better. So it's like, if someone trained with me and then they went to the other trainers, they're like, man, this guy kind of sucks. I want to go back to you, David, what happened? Right. So the best thing for me was to get them in and go straight to, you know, level a, or, you know, the, the, go straight to John, go straight to this guy, go straight to her. And this way they don't have the taste of the better goods. Cause then, you know, they never want to go back basically. Yeah. It's funny when we come across like one man show operations like this or, or gyms with just a handful of trainers, it's sort of a, a double-edged sword to have your, your owner be the best yeah. trainer or the most knowledgeable person because everybody wants to work with that person. Right? Yeah, exactly. We sort of yeah. become the bottleneck. Yeah, right? exactly. So exactly. Yeah. yeah navigating exactly and figuring out strategies around that is, is really the kicker. And, yeah. uh, and it sounds like space is going to be the strategy for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Space is definitely what's uh, limiting me from growth at the moment. So I've had this lease. You know, I took a five-year lease. I figured I could give me a good chance to get started and get going. Um, and really within two years, I'm like, oh man, I need a bigger place already. So now going into year five, I know I need a bigger That's space true. and to be able to get more volume and more trainers under me. Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, it's hard to scale this business because not everyone's strategy is the same. Not everyone's thinking process is the same. I've had people who have like the literally the best certificates in the world and have more letters after the name than a doctor and they're terrible trainers. It's like they're great book smarts. <laughs> it doesn't always translate, does it? It doesn't translate, man. I'm like, well, you guys just did like kettlebell cleans for 45 minutes. Like that's crazy. That's, that's not a great workout. That doesn't quite make sense. You know, there's something to be said for, uh, hours spent under the bar is, is a yeah, that yeah. Dictate you see use and uh, yeah i love that you can't you can't emulate that with a cert that's for sure but yeah man david it, i always really appreciate getting the chance to kind of dig in people's mindsets when they run a business and and why they do what they do and as we approach the end of our time here and, and start to wrap things up where can people find out a little bit more about this is there a website uh, my website is uh, www.realfitaz.com. Um, feel free to check out my Instagram at realfitaz. Um, and my Facebook is just my name at David Van Hort. Easy enough, David. Yep. It's been a bunch of fun. I really appreciate your time, man. I'm excited to see what the future of this holds for you because it sounds like there's a number of moving parts and yeah, potential, exactly. potential in a whole bunch of different directions for you, right? Yep. Yeah, and that's part of it. I just love the strategy and, you know, be able to kind of go back to the drawing board and see how I can both advance myself in lifting and in business, you know? For sure. Well, David, like I said, I appreciate your time. I can't wait to see what comes next for you. And I wish you nothing but the best in that journey. All right. Good. Thanks for having me guys. For sure. And so to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.